people at my ISP watch my stream. Oh, you know what's funny? The guy who I talked to asking about the ports on my modem from uh, my broadband, I mean, my ISP, he's like, hey, I recognize your voice. And I was like, oh, we've spoken before. He's like, oh, no, I, I watch you. I watch Chaos. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, I didn't know what to say. It's like, well, I hope you can help with my problem then. And then we just discussed the problem. It's the second person I've, who's been on a support line that's recognized me. I think the last time was when I had to call the tax office about some tax thing. And he's like, ah, oh, I recognize you. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know. The biggest benefit from the React drama. The commentary in this video was done around the time that me and Charlie had both made one video. There has been exactly one silver lining. One this entire situation. Uh, skill up followed me on Twitter. Always wanted to talk to that guy. Wish was under better circumstances, but that's pretty cool. Why it is hard to take seriously criticism that comes from those who always speak on drama. Every single day, every single day, literally thousands of people, tens of thousands, millions, say things that people disagree with. In no reality does anyone actually give a fuck what I think about reactors. All these people are just talking about it because it's like the thing that everyone's talking about. And people send me messages like, oh, Ethan Klein says, I don't give a fuck what Ethan Klein says. Why would anyone care what Ethan Klein says? On anything. Like, it's, it's totally understandable that uh, a bunch of content creators are going to talk about because it it's the thing that everyone's talking about. But none of them actually give a shit. So like a week from now, they'll be like, oh yeah, Dark Fabricate, didn't you say something about like rapists or something? Ah, oh, whatever. And, and so like, knowing this, you just feel detached from any criticism that people give you because you know they don't really care. Think about it this way. Do you guys remember what... Asmongold got fucking raked for like two years ago. Everyone was on Asmongold's case. I can't remember what it was for. I have no fucking idea. And that's just the way it goes. Everyone just moves on to the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. And more particularly vindictive people who don't like you anyway will be like, I remember that thing you did like five years ago. No one really gives a shit. Am I going to get canceled? Hope just because of Charlie's massive following, they don't try to cancel Matt. Canceling isn't a thing like that. It doesn't work that way. All that's going to happen in the future is some amount of content creators will now have heard of me in a negative way. And so should I try to associate with others, uh, I would have to potentially run into that wall. That's about it. Because the internet is a really large place, chat. Like a really large place. It is ultimately a blip in the grand scheme of things, but it is still really annoying. As a rule, when it comes to viewers, if people like your content, they will largely do their best to push away things that they don't like, um, or suggestions that uh, the content creator is a bad person, or that you shouldn't be watching their content, because you like the content. You're looking for all the justifications you possibly can to continue doing what you're already doing, because change is annoying. I'm not saying people have should have legitimate reasons to not watch my content anymore, but I'm saying this is a general principle. It's why canceling people is really, really hard. As in, like, you've got to, like, be outed as a pedophile and just not be making content. And, and it's got to be the most clear cut you can possibly imagine. Or you've got to actually go to jail or something. Um, absent that, your viewers will, in large part, either not believe what other people are saying, interpret things in a way to continue doing what they already, already are doing, which is watching your content, or they won't even hear about it. So, like, I don't expect a significant amount of my viewers to leave me, in part for those reasons I listed, but also because I didn't do anything wrong. My opinion on the GTA 6 announcement. 
With the unprecedented longevity of GTA 5, we know many of you have been asking us about a new entry in the Grand Theft Auto series. With every new project we embark on, our goal is always to significantly move beyond what we've previously delivered, and we are pleased to confirm that active development for the next entry in the Grand Theft Auto series is well underway. We look forward to sharing more as soon as we are ready, so please stay tuned to the Rockstar Newswire for official details. My thoughts on the GTA 6 announcement? I mean, it's not really any new information. Can't wait to see them share something about it, like uh, some images or... I mean, that trailer, that trailer is going to get like a mil like 100 million views, you know? Mizkiff's impressively dumb take on the React drama. Can we all agree that Mizkiff is the dumbest streamer on Twitch? Oh my god, I was... Someone, because I don't give a shit about Mizkiff, but someone told me his take where they... Uh, like apparently he looked at my Twitch numbers and he was like, hey man, this guy used to be like a 5k Andy and he fell off. That's why he's so butthurt. As if I haven't been complaining about React content like the entire time that I've been on <laughs> on YouTube and Twitch to varying degrees. But more importantly, I've never been a 5k Andy. What the fuck is he smoking? I, I'm mainly a YouTuber these days. I mainly spend my time editing and I want to catch up on all that stuff. The periods where my average viewership was really, really high, it was when I didn't edit on stream. Mizkiff simplifying things for himself. Mizkiff lives in the most simplest world you can imagine. I, I don't think there exists complexity in his world. But nah, I mean, it's, that might be un, uncharitable to say. Because I don't know how much of what he does on stream or his online thing is like a persona or whatever. But I mean, he came from being a cameraman for Ice Poseidon. And I mean, those roots probably don't sing you as like a, uh, a Goliath of intellectual prowess or some shit. Uh, like, the joke I made was, there's no way Mizkiff read that document. I, I can't imagine Mizkiff has read something more than, like, two pages long in the entirety of his life. And, and he's like, I think this is very dumb. What is he? He's got, like, a library off stream, like, smoking a pipe with, like, a robe on, just going, oh, yes, I don't personally agree with a uh, point seven on page five. Get, get the fuck out of here. Get, who, who would believe that? And Poker's Presenting himself in this way too. Get the fuck out of here. I'm surprised either of them can read a menu. One of the reasons I get involved in drama sometimes. I've told you this before. When I was younger, I wanted to do something good. You know, get into a career, help people. And I've always felt kind of bad that I never did that. So in many cases where whatever the small thing is, I, I try to help people. Because it makes me feel like oh, I'm, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm helping this guy, helping this guy. But more importantly... Things like hypocrisy or injustice or unfairness, these things really annoy me. But what's happened over the years is I've come to accept that there are certain aspects of the world that while I consider them unjust, they are literally so far out of my scope to try to change that even thinking about them is not worth it. Thinking about all the people right now who need help that will never get it is not, I, I can't do anything about that. But occasionally something will fall across my desk uh, or an idea will form in my head, which represents something in my immediate vicinity, something I can control as being wrong, unjust, unfair to someone. And I will be unable to get that thing out of my mind until I actively try to do something to stop it or to educate people about why I think this thing is bad or unjust or unfair uh, or unfair, whatever. Like, if you read the document, you should quickly come away with it that my concern is not for myself, specifically, but everyone. It is a situation where I'm arguing that a certain group of people is able to use their position of power to abuse others. Whatever your take of my words, you have to accept that my intentions are good. 
You can think I'm wrong, but obviously the intention behind my words is a good one. Is there an objective definition of React content? Do you think there's an objective way of defining what is reaction content? So words do not have objective meanings. They, they're just social conventions, social constructions. You're just trying to impart a particular meaning. Any word can mean anything if society collectively agrees it to be so. It is certainly the case that in relation to goals, some definitions are better or worse. Like whenever I argue for a definition as being superior, I usually argue on the basis of utility. But one definition isn't technically more objective than another. My first kind of interaction with Penguin Zero. I was on stream one day, many years ago. I, I recently watched a video from Charlie and I was just talking about whatever was on my mind. I was like, oh, did you hear the like huge background hum on Charlie's video today? Like what, what was up with that? Like a dude makes heaps of money. Why doesn't he have like a better camera and audio setup by this point? Like it's, it's just weird. I followed on by jokingly saying, hey, if any of you know Charlie, go tell him to get better audio and video equipment or something to that effect. One of my viewers was like the neighbor of Charlie's parents. For whatever reason, this dude tells Charlie uh, about this video. And according to this, the guy, Charlie responded, who the hell is Dark Vapor AU? And I'm just like, it was a joke. Well, it, was, it was a partly a joke. I was just talking random shit. He can do whatever the hell he wants with his content. Uh, it was distracting though, but uh, like it, it wasn't, I wasn't sincerely being like, hey, you meant track down Moist Critical and tell him that his, that his audio quality isn't the best. And I was like, what are the chances of that? Like, I probably only had like a couple of hundred viewers at that stage. Uh, it's a small world, you know? Social slash drama commentary channels. I feel like the worst part about internet celebrities is that everyone who has any type of following needs to shove his opinion down your throat, regardless of how uninformed. Commentary content is the easiest content to make where you take thing that people are talking about and you give your opinion on it. That's kind of what my rambles are, except my rambles are like months old and stuff. That isn't to be critical necessarily of commentary content, as in there's a place for it, but it is weird when a person's content is only commentary content and you know for a fact that they're talking about stuff that they do not care about, but that they have to comment on because that's their job. I was there once upon a time uh, but on a much more limited topic on my first channel. I remember thinking, I have nothing that I want to say, but I haven't made a video in like two weeks. What's something that I can talk about? And that's just a terrible way to live. And it gets you into these situations where you talk about situations or topics you know nothing about because you've got to make a commentary video. Will people ever stop re-uploading other people's videos via reactions? One day his battle against, uh, one day this battle against the exploitative reaction content will be fruitful. Don't give up, Matthew. No, it won't. So one of the biggest reasons why this can't be solved is because the probably the only way it could be solved is through some legislation or some rule on behalf of YouTube. More than what they've already done, I mean, in regards to not uploading duplicated content or the stuff on live streams. If we called upon a, the government to do something, they might come down in a position that I wouldn't like or that that person wouldn't like or that person wouldn't like. No one wants to take that risk. If YouTube came down, same possibility of that happening because we all have different ideas as to what is most justified and I don't think any of us trust the government or YouTube to do what we think is right. So we're just kind of letting it sit in limbo, hoping it, hoping it doesn't get worse. And uh, it is getting worse. But Do content creators even like their audience? Yes, but there's only so much 
you can only like a mass of people to a certain degree, right? They're just a mass of people. I can't speak to the mentality of everyone. Obviously, my circumstances are not really the same as most people in that I always had trouble like talking to people and uh, social situations I wasn't always the most comfortable in and streaming gave me an opportunity to like interface with people on like a social level but in a disconnected way so that I never feel uncomfortable. YouTube also gave something to me that I didn't have in my life which was the ability to talk about anything that I wanted with people and to have them give me positive feedback that suggested that I was worth something. There was nothing in my life prior to YouTube outside of perhaps my family that would suggest I could do anything or that I could produce anything of value or that I was meaningful or that you know other people cared about me. But when I got to YouTube, uh, even my first videos where I would, I would talk about my ideas and I would get comments and people would in- interface with me and um, care about my opinion and I would care about theirs and we would talk. And that was, they did a lot for my self-esteem and stuff. So I, I owe a lot to my viewers both of YouTube and Twitch, not simply for uh, monetary, in a monetary sense, but also in terms of my perception of self as being uh, something of value. So I like you guys as much as I can like a collective mass of people, you know? My standards for my podcast were probably too high. I am of course referring to my defunct A Ramble With podcast. It's interesting, when I did my podcasts with Modest Pelican, and it got like 100,000 views or something. I was like, well, that's not very good, is it? Compared to my normal content. Like, I didn't have high hopes that it would go amazingly, but I'm like, ah, this doesn't seem like something I should invest my time in considering that low amount of viewership. But I find all the time podcasts that get a fraction of those views that are doing it every week. And I suspect that's because for a lot of people, podcasts are, you know, things that they're passionate and, and enjoy doing every week. They like that routine of, you know, getting people on or talking to their friend about the latest news topics or whatever. And so while my podcast was successful compared to a lot of podcasts, because I don't have that passion for it, I just couldn't bring myself to continue it. I did the podcast more as a business thing, less than a thing that I enjoy. Although I did enjoy it. Because I'm the sort of guy who I get tired out talking to people. It's something that like drains me more than anything else. And often, although not all the time, at least not these days, when I talk to people, I will spend the next couple of hours going over everything that was said in my head because I just worry I've said something stupid or whatever, um, or that I've given, given a bad impression of myself or something. And that's just stressful. Those kind of long form conversations with people, um, it's more about the YouTube business thing than it is about enjoyment on my part. Digital games, should they be resellable? Isn't buying a digital version of a video game also the idea of ownership? Technically, when you buy a digital video game, you don't even own it. Which is the thing that people have complained about forever. Usually, it's like you're buying a license to play it indefinitely. Unless that's changed in some regions. That was the case for the longest time. Because it's like when you buy a video game, you don't own the assets in the video game. It's not like by buying GTA 5, I can like make GTA 6 myself, right? You buy a uh, ticket to play. Isn't that how physical copies work also? Anyway, well, you can sell the physical copy. French Court recently ruled that Steam will have to allow users to resell their games. That's funny. How would that be achieved though? Reselling Steam games would ruin the industry. That would kill almost all indie devs. So one of the reasons why physical reselling of games isn't a huge deal 
is because there's a lot of legwork involved. You know, you got to take the game, go to a marketplace somewhere, find a seller, do the transaction or that shit or send it out to a person. A lot of that people don't really want to spend the time doing. But imagine if like, you know, you go to buy a game and next to it, it says buy secondhand copy and it just costs a dollar less or something. The process of selling is just you tick, I want to sell this game from my inventory. And then it would just immediately go on the marketplace and will be the next one sold. And like once you've played the game, any amount of money that you get back is just like dollars off your original purchase price. So it's not like you're sitting there trying to recoup the cost that you had in developing the game, which is what the developer's doing. So you would just go, okay, what is the lowest price that someone else is selling it for? 10 bucks? Well, I'll sell it for nine. Another person like, well, someone's selling it for nine, I'll sell it for eight. And so eventually, like after you've sold like a thousand copies or something, it's just going to be a continuous influx of people buying the game for a dollar on Steam, playing it and then selling it again for a dollar or something. And of course, you, you always know that you could, if you wanted to, buy it again because it's going to be a dollar or whatever second hand. Because there's no, there's no difference between a digital new product and a pre-owned digital product, right? Because it's... It's not like it's going to wear over time or something. Yeah, I could totally see how that would just destroy the digital online game sales industry. Even with like AAA developers and stuff. That seems like a terrible decision. I think someone once mentioned that Steam could just change their contracts to where you effectively just buy a license that can't be resold. Not sure how accurate that is. That would kind of seemingly defeat the purpose of the ruling, but I mean, I guess it depends on why that ruling was made. AAA studios still generate a lot of revenue from things like Game Pass and microtransactions. True, true. I guess, yeah, if digital resales became a thing, then AAA companies could just pivot their business model. I mean, we couldn't, like, all games change to that. Like, let's say you technically get the game for free, but you need an account to play that game. And to get an account, you need to buy a subscription that renews every 99 years like surely there's ways around that if you really want to get around it of course requiring people to make another account is always a thing in itself and a barrier to entry and all that jazz but dumb questions that never die i answer questions too often in a snarky way chat and i hate it there are just a set of frequent questions that i receive that piss me off every single time i hear them because i've heard them 987 times and they were stupid the first time and my patience just has worn so thin. Because I know that person hasn't had the answer to the stupid question before, but it doesn't mean it isn't frustrating, you know? You don't mind hearing, like, a sensible question over and over again. Because, like, yeah, it's a perfectly reasonable question for you to ask. But there's some questions that are just dumb, and the person asking them should know they're dumb, you know? Forgetting what others consider sacred. It is important to remember that, uh, people perceive things differently than you do. Things that you consider to be irrelevant or unimportant or antiquated, some people can still be very passionate about. I saw a post where a person was like, I'm happy that grief of Jesus and chaos no longer appears as Jesus because now it's less sacrilegious. I say this as an evangelical Christian. I just looked at that for a while and I'm like, oh yeah, there would be people out there who would care about that. Like I've always known that. It's just something that I don't often reflect on that. Some people could watch that series and be like, Oh my god, Jesus with a real gun? This is not on. This dude's going to hell. I just, I just don't consider that stuff important, and some people do. Hardware shortages, scalpers, and crypto. 
Do you think that graphics cards will ever become normal price? And if so, when do you think it will happen? Clearly those who manufacture graphics cards want to, as much as possible, meet the demand that exists in the market. And therefore, graphic card manufacturers will be attempting to scale up their operations as quickly as possible. But these things aren't, like you can't just turn on additional graphics card manufacturing. You need to find the right people, the right locations, build all the infrastructure and stuff. And that takes many years. So, I mean, the shortages happened, what, like two years ago or something? And it wasn't simply because of COVID. So I don't know how many years it requires to build out such things. So I have no idea. I, I hear people say it's still going to be a couple of years yet. And yeah, shortages in raw materials could potentially be a problem as well. I mean, but scalpers wouldn't be a problem if there was sufficient supply. Because all that would happen is they would take a chunk of the product and then people would either move on to a different similar product or they would wait for another amount of supply, which would be quickly coming along because they can churn them out fast enough. Even with sufficient supply, wouldn't there still be high demand for the supply for miners choking up the market every time they're shipped out, creating a bottleneck in production to supply change? I mean, sufficient supply would, that would have to also meet the demand of miners as well. Sufficient supply there implies that you're meeting the demand of miners as well. It's not like miners have infinite demand. And I mean, with the drop in crypto, hopefully that will go the way of the dodo. Once all the whales have brought in enough suckers to uh, offload their crypto to real, mo real money, and all that's left there is the people holding the bag, uh, and the rich people not needing to uh, like advertise crypto or pay people to advertise crypto and whatnot, uh, surely the demand for it will continue to decline. I mean, there's always going to be some demand for it because there's going to be some people holding the bag, but... An unexpected small change in my routine because of the pandemic. I wash my hands a lot? Uh, yes, with hand sanitizer. Since the pandemic, when the, well, I got hand sanitizer when the pandemic started. And uh, I, I found I like it. I just like every couple of hours, just, you know, just you know. Be sure to like and subscribe. Also leave a comment if you have something on your mind. My feed gives them to me from all over my channel. It doesn't matter how old the video is. I wish you all the best.